<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Good morning. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. Uh, today we are breaking down the Big 12. Or sorry, not the Big 12, the Pac-12. We did the Big 12 last week. Um, the Pac-12. That uh, shows you. You know what? That was a total Pac-12 thing to do, uh, too. Um, yeah. You know, give me the Pac-12 network. I'll remember that we're previewing your conference. Um, so we are doing the Pac-12. It is. Uh, I enjoy watching it. Pac-12 after dark and, and things like that. But before we get into um, into it, uh, we have a word from our sponsors over at Spotify Green Room. Uh, it is a live audio only sports talk platform. It's free to download to uh, and use. You could talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app, free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Um, and we'll be going live on Locker or on Spotify Green Room uh, when the season starts. So. Try and find us there. TJ, Pac-12. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I like the conference. I think there's a lot of very interesting teams here. Um, I think that the divisions are uh, fairly evenly balanced. I think that the North is um, a bit top-heavy, uh, while the South is a bit more um, balanced. But overall... Uh, probably a bit stronger uh, when you look at the overall depth of it. Uh, but I I think that there's some really interesting um, teams that could, if a few things go right, could challenge for playoff position uh, or playoff berth, uh, something that the Pac-12 really needs. You know, they need to have a team consistently into the playoff, which – uh, has not happened for them uh, since moving to the playoff. They've not been consistently in that group. Uh, you know, my I'll start with kind of my my pick for the for the champion of this league, which is Oregon. Um, I, I think that they are recruiting under Mario Cristobal at a level that, if they develop that talent appropriately, is going to see them kind of dominating this conference the same way that uh, maybe Clemson dominates the ACC. Uh, they are, you know, moving light years away from everybody else in the conference from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, the big question for them is going to be at quarterback with Anthony Brown. Uh, you know, can he kind of play over a, you know, a full schedule uh, doing the things that they need him to do with the skill players around him and the defense that Oregon has, uh, some real superstars on defense. Uh, are they going to be able to to get enough at quarterback 
to challenge for a playoff position and be more than just the Pac-12's best team uh, to be an actual title contender. Um, but I, I think you have to be impressed with what Mario Cristobal's building in Eugene. Yeah, um, he is. They do have to replace Tyler Shock um, with Anthony Brown. Shock is actually at Texas Tech. Um, right. It's an interesting move down there. Uh, Oregon does have some uh, some bumps in the road. They'll they'll need to need to clear. Um, they do yeah. have to go to Ohio State, uh, and that's that's like a I believe a nine a.m. body clock kickoff time for Oregon. Um, and the Pac-12 desperately not happy about it. They uh, they desperately, desperately need to they need to I, win, I, and they're not happy about the start time. Well, yeah, and and winning may be far-fetched they need a really good showing yeah um, you know there are probably i don't know one maybe two teams that i think you could say the expectation would be to go to ohio state and win uh, one of them by the way is definitely not michigan uh, but um I, I think there's probably one or two teams in the nation that could have an expectation of going there oregon it's probably not going to have an expectation of going to Columbus and winning, but the Ducks and the conference desperately needs a good showing. Because if they go there and get housed, uh, does it really matter what happens the rest of the season for them? Uh, you know, like if they go 11 and one and win the Pac-12, but they got shellacked in Columbus, they're going to need somebody really else to lose. What else yeah. happens? Yeah, uh, you know, so I. They really need a good performance. A win would be wonderful and would accelerate what they're building, but they have to have a good performance there. Uh, now, that Fresno State game in the opener, they, they can't completely overlook that one either. Um, I, they should be able to handle Fresno State, but if they're not focused for that, you know, it, it could be uh, a bit of a, a fight for them. Yeah, and then, you know, the other thing they have to do, Washington's going to be very good as well in that yep. Pac-12 North. And they have to go to Washington um, and Utah. They have to go to and, Utah too. And so. Utah. So it, it's yeah. that's a tough, tough schedule. Uh, their other road games are at Stanford, at UCLA, um, and then I think they play a, a Thursday night game or Friday night game against Cal. Um, but yeah, it, it's as you said with that Ohio State game. The Pac-12 has I think three or four games to show off what they have um, and to yep. make a statement. Uh, it's Oregon at Ohio State, Washington at Michigan, uh, UCLA uh, is hosting LSU. Uh, I think there's another one in there as well, um, but I don't know off the top of my head, but you got, you know, you, you have a chance to, to make, make a statement with those three games. Um, and yeah, Michigan's not what they used to be. But that's, I mean, that's a big game for both programs. For a, East, for a West Coast team to come East and, and beat a Big Ten team, um, that'll be a big deal. And for Michigan, uh, Washington should be in the top 10. Uh, you're at least top 15 uh, yeah. going into that game. And, uh, you know, to get a home win against that could vault them uh, this season, take some of the heat off of, off of Jim Harbaugh as well. But, yeah, Oregon um, – uh, it's a coin flip between them and Washington. I think it's going to come down to that game uh, up at Washington. And I'll give the slight end. And 
edge to the Huskies. Uh, they do have their quarterback returning uh, in Dylan Morris in four games last year. He threw for nearly 900 yards, four touchdowns. He did throw three three picks, but they have their um, – basically everybody who carried the ball last year is back. Their leading rusher averaged um, is Sean uh, McGrew. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Um, they get Cade Otten back who averaged 14.3 yards per catch and three touchdowns. Um, they do lose Ty, uh, Ty Jones and Puka Nakua uh, from the receiving, but um, from the receiving core, but they get a lot of their defense back. Um, and I think it, it's the second year under Jimmy Lake. Uh, and, and I think he's going to have his team ready to go and uh, his feet a little bit more under him uh, than having a first year in, in 2020 with COVID uh, as well. Their schedule, we talked about the game at Michigan. Um, they don't have to play. They don't have to play USC. They get Oregon State at home. So out of the South, they draw Colorado, Arizona State, and uh, who am I? And and at Arizona, so mm. the, you get a pretty easy draw out of the South, um, as opposed to Oregon, who has to go to Utah. Um, you get Colorado, and uh, one other team. The and uh, hold on, make sure I'm looking at the right team. And at Oregon, well, Oregon State's in the north. But they have a harder draw out of the out of the South Division um, to the Ducks. So uh, they get Arizona is their other one. So I, I think that game against Utah um, comes into play for the for the Ducks as well. Uh, who do you have in the uh, winning the South Division? And, and I've changed my mind on this um, because the team that I thought could could win it has now become my most disappointed team. Uh, well, I ended up choosing Utah, which I didn't, I don't love that pick. Um, I do think that Charlie Brewer, that's a big addition, a big, big addition for them. Uh, and then Brett Covey, you know, back is a really incredible all-purpose player. Uh, and then a, a really good offensive line, you know, you would expect that from Utah, um, and then you would expect a very strong defense. Uh, I, I think that they do have a couple of concerns there, but, you know, it should be, you know, they return eight starters and it's a, a team that was better than expected on defense in 2020. So um, I, I like the defense. I like the addition of Brewer. Some questions on the skill position players outside of Covey. Uh, good offensive line. Now, the question mark for Utah is going to be that schedule. Uh, they do have to go. Uh, they get Arizona State at home, which was big for me. But you're going at USC. You're hosting Oregon. So that's that's tough. Uh, and then the non-conference, you play BYU, of course. It's at BYU and then a weird one at San Diego State. So kind of the odd uh, non-conference schedule where they're playing one home game and that's against Weber state and then two road games uh, against non power five schools, uh, a little bit of an odd schedule there for them, but 
Um, I, I don't trust USC, and I don't really trust Arizona State, although I do think the Sun Devils are the most talented team uh, in the South. Um, I ended up going with Utah just as a bit of a uh, outlier pick. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to take the team you don't trust in USC. Um, I just I, I think they're – super talented you got um keaton slovis sure. who's arguably the best quarterback in the league uh you also have drake london who's arguably the best wide receiver in the league um you have uh, another second team all pack 12 you know running back in there um or a third team and keonti ingram there's just a lot too much talent on offense um on defense you have drake jackson you have Chris Steele, talk about a good, um, you know, a great college football name. Uh, Parker Lewis is a second team, all uh, all Pac-12 kicker. You have Isaiah Polo Mao uh, at DB as well. And Tuli, Tuli, Tui, Tui, I'm going to mess it up anyway. But a good <laughs> defense, Tuli, the defense alignment at the USC as well. I think this is the year USC um, wins the South. Their schedule um, their schedule's favorable. They they have to go, they draw Washington State, they draw Oregon State, uh, and they draw uh, who else out of the North? Um, and Cal out of the North. That's, I mean, that's, if you're going to handpick your draw out of the North, that's yeah. that's pretty good. They do have to go to Notre Dame on October 23rd, uh, but that's not a non that's a non conference that's a non conference game. And then they end the season with BYU at home. Uh, so BYU's littered all over this Pac-12 schedule. Uh, I think it looks like they have. I mean, it's almost like BYU's playing a Pac-12 schedule. They play Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, USC. Um, Washington State, uh, so you know, a nice little schedule for BYU. But uh, enough on that tangent. I think USC wins it. Um, I was going to go with the dark horse and say Arizona State. However, yeah, the crap has hit the fan in uh, exactly. in Tempe, right. <laughs> in Tempe, right. and um, who knows how big of a distraction that that's going to be. I really like Jaden Daniels. Um, Daniel's there. I like their skill players. I, I thought Herm Edwards is a good, is a good S and O's coach, um, but they're not following the recruiting rules. And I think, I think that staff they're going to end up cleaning house. Whether it be in the middle of the season, it's going to be a cloud hanging over that program. Um, yeah. This season, and it's a shame because Arizona Arizona State has always been like a fun watch for me. Yeah, they're playing in in the desert. It's usually hot. That stadium's rocking when they're good, um, and it's just you know it's one of those Pac-12 teams that hey, it's the nine thirty or ten o'clock game. Uh, you know, either DVR it or you know watch it while um, we're typing up stuff from from the earlier games and, and things like that. So that's Arizona State by default is my most disappointing team because I don't see how they're not going to be. A, a total disappointment unless they win the conference and Herm Edwards and his staff keep their jobs and there are no sanctions. And I don't think any of those three are three are happening. 
So right. they're, they're what's your who's your most disappointing team? I went with Arizona State specifically for those reasons. I, I think it's likely that there's some type of uh, implosion that occurs as a result of all of this. We've seen an impact recruiting some already uh, with guys that were committed kind of looking around. I think that's a pretty good indication that they are hearing, hey, this, this is probably not going to turn out well. Um, and based on the, you know, what we're reading about it, I think that's a very safe assumption. Um, so uh, it, it's very possible that that team, you know, somewhat implodes. I'm not going to say quit because I don't think that's fair um, in pretty much almost any scenario. And, it's, you know, I, I don't think they're going to quit on each other or on the staff. Uh, but I, I do think that it's possible that some uh, maybe some self-imposed bans occur during the season to try and mitigate the blow from the uh, from whatever would happen with the NCAA. Um, maybe you self-impose, and if that's the case, you know you often see guys opt out because what are they playing for at that point? You often see teams kind of phone it in uh, if things start to to go a little sideways. So. I went with Arizona State mainly for the off-field stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that it makes sense for a disappointment to come out of the South. I think there's three teams in the South that probably um, have somewhat realistic expectations of winning that division. Uh, well, you know, by nature, two of those teams are, are going to be a bit disappointed with how things play out. Um, and I, I think... USC more talented uh, than the other two sides. Uh, I do think that they clearly like Clay Helton, um, not necessarily the fans and administration, but I think the players do. Um, I think they're going to fight hard for him because they know they have to. Uh, it seems like any chance that USC gets to, to let go of Helton and snag somebody else, I think they'd probably try and take it. Um, and so I, I, given all of those factors, which are off field things, admittedly, uh, I'll take Arizona state as the kind of the disappointment. Um, and also, you know, they do go to Utah, uh, which I think is, is going to be a win for the Utes given Charlie Brewer, uh, and the impact I think he can have on the offense. So, um, I, I'm taking Utah, to win the division, which means I'm taking Arizona State to disappoint a little bit. Yeah, my, you know, my surprise team, um, my surprise team might be Utah as well for the reasons that you give. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think Washington might sneak up on people too, just because Oregon's such a, a brand name uh, and things like that. But uh, let's get to the rest of the conference uh, with California. I mean, it's California's been, you know, they they went one and three last year. Their only win was over it was was a good win over Oregon, uh, but they only played four games. Uh, they bring right. back Damian Moore uh, at running back. They bring back Chase Gar uh, Garbers at quarterback. Just how high is their ceiling? Um, they they probably should go to a bowl game. They're they get a tough trip to TCU. You play a tough Nevada team in the opener. 
and then you get Sacramento State at home. Uh, you have to go to Washington, to Oregon. You draw USC, Arizona, and Colorado out of the South. Uh, you have to, and then you end the season at at uh, UCLA and at Stanford. Um, six wins might be their ceiling. That, that's a tough right. schedule. Right. Yep, it is, and it, it, that's another game that you know you you kind of want to ask the athletic director why why are we playing TCU uh you know for where the program is at it seems to me that that would be the type of program where you want to schedule three wins in non-conference and I it does not make much sense to me to play a game like that there's a lot of situations around like that and I think Indiana was guilty of that in the past yep um you know, where the program is at has changed. Therefore, your scheduling philosophy changes a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, for Cal, for where their program currently is, I the only thing that makes sense to me is get three wins on that schedule in the non-conference and try to become a consistent bowl team. Uh, so that, that TCU game doesn't make much sense to me, and given what we were saying about TCU earlier, uh, I, I think that's a win for the Horn Frogs. So you're already starting, you know, needing four conference wins just to get to a bowl game. And I, I think six wins is probably the ceiling. Uh, Chase Garbers has to have a better year for them. Um, and it, it's a bit unfair to, to, you know, base anything off of last season for, for teams from the Pac-12. But yeah. uh, he has to be one of the better quarterbacks in this conference for Cal to – to have a shot at exceeding that six wins. Uh, let's look at Oregon State. Oregon State could, you know, could have been a, a surprise team as well. Uh, they're bringing in uh, uh, quarterback uh, Tristan Gebum. Uh, he's uh, he's back. He threw for eight hundred twenty-four yards last year. They did go two and five, so they played. You know, they played more than four games. Um, they beat California and Oregon last year. I, how or it, it just as an IU fan, how Oregon went to the Fiesta Bowl with the automatic bid. And this is why I think the big, the Pac 12 are big losers on this 12 team playoff. Is that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, perception matters. And if, if they don't have an automatic, bid to the playoff or an automatic top four um, or, or things like that. And um, they're going to be left out. Uh, but Oregon State, they open up at Purdue, uh, which is a tough, tough game for, for both squads. Uh, and I think it, it can set the tone for the season for both squads. They do play 13 games since they play Hawaii. Um, they get Idaho, who's another common opponent for, for Indiana. Uh, they do have to go to USC uh, and to Oregon uh, and they get Washington at home. So I I think, can this be the year that Oregon state gets back to a bowl game? Uh, Maybe. Can they build off of that win against Oregon? Um, They did have a close loss against Utah as well. And a close loss against Stanford uh, in a, a two score game against Arizona state. I think the bowl game should be on the table. Should it be the expectation? 
maybe not. Uh, you know, you're probably looking between five and seven wins, but it's not a do or die. I don't think it's a do or die season for Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who had to dig out of the hole uh, that was left um, by the previous staff. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, what they do. They, they won five games and they went five and seven in 2019. And between, you know, 17 and 18, they, they won a combined three games. So I think they're, they're on the, the up and up in, uh, in Beaverton. They're going to miss Jamar Jefferson, who was a really good running back for them, a guy that, uh, you know, definitely was under the radar given where he's playing. But uh, Jefferson, you know, typically I, I don't worry too much about replacing running backs given the nature of the position. But uh, Jamar Jefferson was, was somebody that they can't just plug a guy in and get that, that same production. So uh, that'll be a big miss for them. They're going to need somebody else to step up. Uh, I think that they have, you know, good, uh, good along the rest of the offense. The offensive line gets back all five starters, uh, and then they've got some really good. Now, not I shouldn't overstate. They have decent but experienced wide receivers and tight ends. Um, so you're not worried about those spots, but finding a running back that can somewhat replicate what Jamar Jefferson did. And then much like other teams that are kind of towards the bottom, they have to find a capable quarterback. I personally don't think Tristan Gebbia is that guy. Uh, he's certainly going to be the one that gets the first uh, first shot at it. And uh, Very interesting game in West Lafayette to not start off the season. I think you're right. That's a big one for both programs. Yeah. Um, Stan- Stanford. Stanford's kind of hit the skids a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, for the last couple of years, uh, they host Oregon and Washington, so they do get the big boys at home, uh, and I think that's that's a big deal uh, for that. They did go four and two last year, but again, it's a COVID year. They went four and eight in twenty nineteen after going eight uh, after going nine and four. Uh, and winning, you know, nine, nine, and ten the three years prior to that. So, which team shows up? Is it going to be the four and eight team, or is it going to be the team that that won eighteen games over a three year span, uh, or sorry, twenty eight games in a three year span from 28, uh, 2016 to twenty eighteen? Um, they did knock off California, Washington. They they began the year zero and two last year. They won their last four, so they do have whatever momentum you want to take from 2020, they have that. Um, they need to, they need to replace their quarterback. Uh, Davis Mills is out. Um, Jack, uh, Jack West is in, uh, but they have Tanner McPhee, uh, McKee, who's a freshman. Uh, Phil Steele ranked him uh, as the fifth best quarterback recruit in the country. He might be, the guy to get the start um, when they face Kansas State uh, in the opener. They, it, it's not an easy way to open the season. Again, I think that's a, a 9 a.m. or a 10 a.m. body clock start for Stanford. It's another one of these uh, Pac-12 games where you could show people what you have uh, as well against another non-conference, you know, Power 5 opponent. And then you have to go at USC and then you go back East 
to Vanderbilt in week three, which, you know, Vanderbilt's not, not very good, but it's another, you're traveling, you're traveling, you know, to Texas in week one to face Kansas state. And then you're traveling to Tennessee in week three. It's a lot of miles uh, early in the season. Um, get UCLA at home, Oregon at home. You have to travel to Arizona state, um, which I believe is a, it's a Friday night game uh, in the desert. Those are always tough, no matter what's happening at Arizona state. Then you have to go to Washington state uh, and you end the year at Notre, or you end the year with Notre Dame at home. It's a tough schedule. Uh, And, you know, TJ, does Stanford have the path to a bowl game? In my opinion, no. Um, I, I, I do think that the David Shaw tenure or era uh, has kind of run its course. I don't think that they're in any mood to to change things there, but I don't see where there's going to be a resurgence to get them back uh, to winning eight games a a, a year, every year, like they were uh, for the earlier to mid part of this decade. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're playing all 12 games are, are power five opponents. Now, some of those power five opponents are, are not very good. Vanderbilt being a good example, but still you're not getting any rest. Um, and I, I, I think the schedule is difficult. I think there's question at quarterback and I personally have not seen the same level uh, of line play that we came to expect with Stanford, you know, that physicality, that, that has been replaced. Uh, Stanford used to be the, the bully of the PAC 12. That has not been the case for a while. Um, Oregon has kind of usurped that and Utah has usurped that. Uh, so I, I they're going to have to find some type of new identity. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think that they do have a path to a bowl game, uh, I think it'll be another disappointing year for Stanford. And they're going to have to ask some questions about uh, how much longer they should give David Shaw, a guy that at one time was considered a, a surefire, you know, top 10 coach that was going to end up in the NFL one day. Um, you know, that's something to be said for kind of getting stale at a place. And I think that might've happened here. Yeah. So he's entering his 11th year at Stanford. So he's been there for a, a long time. Um, We've got, I believe, four teams left, Colorado, UCLA, Washington State, uh, and Arizona. Which one of those teams has the best year? Which teams uh, are, are bowl teams? And, you know, can, can Colorado jump up and can Arizona jump up and get off the mat a little bit? So Arizona, not yet. Uh, they were dreadful, and I think they're kind of restarting with things. Uh, Don Brown, I think it's a good landing spot for him at defensive coordinator, but it's going to take some time to build that. Um, I think Colorado, I don't really trust what I saw from them in the abbreviated season last year. Better than I thought they'd be, but um, not really trusting that. The, the team that jumps out to me, uh, is UCLA, you know, I, I think that there is a chance here for UCLA to be better than people expect. Uh, Zach Charbonnet transferring from Michigan, 
uh, as well as Britton Brown at tailback. I think that's a good one-two combo for what Chip Kelly wants to do. Dorian Thompson-Robinson really has to take a step forward. That's kind of what we always expect with Chip Kelly is him to not recruit uh, at the highest level, uh, but to get guys that fit what he wants to do and then develop them, uh, do things his way. And it kind of hasn't come to uh, to fruition, but the offense definitely showed um, showed a bit improvement in 2020. The defense was much better uh, than they had been. It's a tough schedule, but I do think UCLA does get to a bowl game, show some progression. Definitely not what they thought they were getting when they signed Chip Kelly. Uh, they're only 10 and 21 so far, but I think it'll be a little better this season than it has been uh, for the Bruins. Yeah, and they, you know, they they have a chance to beat an SEC team at home too. When LSU comes to town on uh, September fourth, they get a nice um, week zero game as well against uh, against Hawaii. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough. They have to go. They get Washington and Oregon back to back. You throw Arizona State there in. Um, you know, on a trip to Arizona at UC, USC. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough sledding. But anyway, that does it for who's your player of the year in the Pac-12, by the way. You know, given the lack of top end quarterbacks, uh, which typically is what I would kind of default to, um, and really no amazing standout tailbacks either. Uh, I think the best player in this league is Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon. Um, He's a monster defensive end or defensive lineman uh, that Oregon's going to move all over the place. And I, I think that Cristobal is going to find some really good uses for him. Uh, plus, I chose Oregon as my conference champ, so best player on the best team uh, for me. And I went Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I think Keaton Slovis has a shot. Um, yeah. yeah. USC quarterback, they get all the, the lights and all that stuff, especially if they end up winning the conference. But Thibodeau um, – Thibodeau is definitely easy. They're definitely the player of the year or the defensive player of the year. Um, right. You know, at least the defensive player of the year uh, should he stay healthy in the, in the PAC 12. Uh, but that does it for our PAC 12 preview show. Uh, thanks TJ for joining us today. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, follow us at HoosierHuddle.com as well. We're currently selling our pre-sale stuff. Um, for Hoosier Huddle gear, it's uh, the presale ends on August 18th and it is guaranteed delivery by September 4th for kickoff. We have hoodies, tank tops, T-shirts, uh, crewnecks, hats, um, a lot of nice stuff uh, that was put together. So check that out if you haven't. And uh, we'll be back uh, previewing the SEC uh, next week. Thanks and have a great day. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, 
than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.